We continue our sermon series on food in the Bible today, talking about manna. We are in Exodus chapter 16, if you want to turn there or swipe your way there on your iPhone. Exodus 16, I'm going to be reading bits and pieces, so I'll try to tell you where I'm at in the text. I'm going to start out in verse 2. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when the people prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your, grumbling against, heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Skipping to verse 13. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew was gone, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, finest frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded you. Gather it, each one of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer, according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more and some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could. And when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to keep till the morning. So they laid it aside until morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. 
And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of the Israel called its name manna. It was like a coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. We're going to stop there. Background. This is a story that happened shortly after the Israelites have been taken out of Egypt. So they were in slavery, remember. They were in slavery. They had been, been brought there with Abraham and his sons. So, uh, no, later than that, sorry. But they had been brought there with, with a small group of families and had really helped out the Egyptians. But eventually a pharaoh comes along that does not know who they were and who Joseph was. And so they end up in slavery. Now a much larger family because God had promised them they would be fruitful and they have been. But they've been in slavery. So a man named Moses, we all know the story, steps up at one point. Remember, he kills an Egyptian and tries to start leading them, but he's not ready and they're not ready. So he goes out into the desert and eventually God, through a burning bush, calls him back. We get the plagues, you know, all the plagues. We, we get uh, his showdown with Pharaoh at multiple occasions. They finally start to leave and Pharaoh once again changes his mind and the Red Sea comes and swallows up the Egyptians even though it had been open for the Israelites. And here they stand in the wilderness not very long after and they start getting hungry. They start noticing, hey, we're out in the wilderness and when they say wilderness in Israel, it's not like wilderness in western Pennsylvania where it's a bunch of woods and mountains. No, wilderness is desert. It's rock land. It's desolation there. Wilderness means an area that is wild, that is untamed. There's no forests in Israel. They're out in the desert. And they start getting hungry. And you know what happens when you get really hungry, right? You get grumpy. You start complaining. Hunger has this ability to do that to you, right? And they start complaining against Moses and against Aaron. What are you doing? You brought us out here to starve. If only we could go back to Egypt, where at least we were near meat, we were near food, we could eat. Remember, they were in slavery, back-breaking slavery. They were losing family members daily to the heat and to the grind and to the abuse that they were in in slavery. They must have been pretty hungry to start complaining that they want to go back. In fact, who's that real complaint against? Moses and Aaron try to make this really plain to them. You're complaining against us, but what you're really complaining against is God. God's the one that brought you out here. God's the one taking care of you. You better start complaining to Him. And God answers them. He provides for them. Quail that seem to come into the camp at night so that they can eat a good meal in the evening. And manna in the morning. The word manna literally means, what is it? It's, it's, it's a question, actually. Ma, whenever you put it on the beginning of a Hebrew word, is a question like, what? And the, the rest of it sort of makes this, this sense of being. What is it being? What is it? That's what they called it. They don't know what it was. They just walked out and somebody said, what is this? And somebody said, yep, that's what we're going to call it. 
And forever it was called manna. What is it? And so every morning they would get up and there would be this what is it on the ground. There's been lots of attempts to try to explain scientifically what this might have been. But when you hear the description, all of them seem a little bit foolish. They go out, they pick up the what is it. They pick it up for the day based on the person, whatever they can eat. And then they would bake bread out of it. Uh, They would uh, press it and and, uh, cook it. And if they kept it overnight, it would spoil to the next day so that they could only rely on God daily for their food. Except Except for Friday. Because Saturday was supposed to be a Sabbath. There was no what is it on Saturday. They had to collect enough on Friday. And for some reason on Friday, it wouldn't spoil. It would keep, and so they could go out. It's not a bad system, right? You don't have to worry about your food. You just go pick it up in the morning, and and you're good for the day. But you see, Israel has some complaints. They have some problems with Aaron and Moses. They have some problem with their newfound freedom, and they have some problem with the manna in the end, if you follow the story along. First, they complain against Moses and Aaron. Of course, they're not really complaining against Moses and Aaron. They're just the messengers. But don't we have a tendency to sometimes shoot the messengers when we don't like what the message is? It's a pretty natural phenomenon. In fact, remember back in the story, they did this to Moses the first time he tried to lead. Remember, he killed an Egyptian trying to protect the Israelites from this Egyptian who was was abusing someone. And then the next day they said, hey, we saw you do that. You better stay away from us or we're going to tell They didn't like his leadership before he was really in leadership, and they continue to not like it now. Not only that, when they do get the manna, what do they try to do? The Israelites try to collect more. It's not good enough that God is going to give them what they need every day. What they would like to do is start storing up so they've got some reserves, right? We want to get a little what is it in the cupboard so that if anything ever happens, we can go and we can take care of it. And they don't want to take a Sabbath, right? A whole bunch of them go out on Saturday morning, even though they're not supposed to work. Even though they already collected enough the day before for that day. They think, oh, well, if it's still going to be there on the Sabbath and I collect it, it might be a good chance for me to fill the cupboard. Sabbath is like that. Sabbath is trusting God that if we do the work with His strength in six days we can actually get more done than in our own strength in seven. It's an attitude of trust in Sabbath. And I think that's maybe why most of us have no real concept of taking a Sabbath anymore. I think tithing is the same thing. Tithing is trusting that God can do more with 90% than we can do with 100%. There's a risk, isn't there? A risk is not in not giving. A risk, a risk in giving. A risk in resting. And Israel seems to have trouble with this risk. Maybe it's natural for them. I mean, maybe they just... I mean, remember, if they're going to trust God, then they're going to have to deal with the reality that they just got out of slavery. If God is trustworthy, why were they in slavery in the first place? Perhaps they have a reason to slowly trust God. But listen to how extreme they are. Maybe we should go back and be in slavery. Does this sound like a smart idea to anybody? No. Have you that quickly forgotten what slavery was like? 
the abuse, the work, the killing of your firstborn. You don't remember that? What kind of desperation, what kind of fools would Israel be to want to go back to Egypt? But maybe we should cut Israel some slack. Because I wonder if we sometimes have some of those same thoughts. There's a certain attraction to sin, isn't there? A certain attraction to slavery. It's enticing. At least if I'm in pain from something from my past, it's familiar to me. What would I be like if I moved past my pain? Don't we all do this? We all have stuff we know we shouldn't do, and we still do it because it's comfortable for us? I don't know. Addiction, bad relationships that we keep going back to or keep repeating with the next person and the next person, but it's still the same dysfunction. The credit card we keep spending on, the lie we keep up and we keep telling, the wound in our souls that we keep picking at because we don't know what our life would look like if we let it heal. Sin can be like a canker sore in your mouth. You ever get a canker sore in your mouth? And you know you're not supposed to like press your tongue on it, but you do anyway. Like you can't help it. That's what sin can be like. And we see in Israel this tendency to want to go back. You're free. You're out of slavery. Yeah, but at least in slavery I knew what I was doing. At least in the pain in my life, I knew how things worked. That I understood. Freedom I don't quite get. Freedom I have to trust more. It's been said that it took God a couple days to get Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. And I think that's sometimes true in our lives also. They don't want the manna and the quail, because they used to eat leeks and onions, and at least that was familiar to them. God has a high standard, a special way of relating to people, and I will tell you that God is unpredictable. The way the Gospel of John describes it is that we as people like darkness over light. At least we understand the darkness and it's familiar to us. The more we trust in God, the more God has control and the more we don't have control. And doesn't that ultimately drive each of us just a little bit crazy? We tend to freak out when we totally have to rely. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you had to totally rely on God? Nothing of yourself in it. You were out there. The bills were not going to get paid. The job was not going to get done. The relationship was not going to get mended. And you had to wait and see if God pulled through. We freak out in those moments. We don't like them. We want to decide what God gives us. We want a cushion. We want God to give us more. Don't we all kind of say that? Lord, if only I I made a little bit more money. If only I had a little bit more job security. I don't need to be rich. But man, would I like a little bit of cushion in my life in case something ever happens. See, what we want to do is we want to trust ourselves. We want to trust our cupboards, and we don't want to trust God. It's the natural place that we as people are in. And so it's easy to sit back and judge Israel for doing it, but I think we do the same thing. We don't want to rest. This is why we have so much trouble with Sabbath. Can we trust that things will get done in six days if we take a day to rest? Now, is it difficult? Yes. I find in my life I don't ever get a full Sabbath. 
Sometimes I got to do like an afternoon here, a half a day here, a half a day there. But I'm finding the more and more I rest, the more and more I trust God to help me get stuff done in the rest of my life, the better that goes. I mean, every Sunday we pray a prayer. We just prayed a little bit ago that God would give us our daily bread. But don't we, like the Israelites, often not want daily bread? We want extra bread. We want to be self-reliant instead of God-reliant, even if it means going back into slavery in our lives to something else. And what do we do when someone points this out? Points out our flaws, points out our slavery, points out our hoarding. We too often shoot the messenger. How dare they question us and our self-reliance. But ultimately, our beef is with God. Can we trust God to take care of us? Whenever you start going back at somebody, I've noticed this. Whenever somebody makes a suggestion to you or a comment and you really aggressively go back at them, that's probably something you need to hear from them because there's at least a grain of truth in it. Whenever you react strongly against somebody else's suggestion, I'm telling you there's some kind of truth in there that you are reacting against. This is what we do when life, when others when God tends to point things out to us. But what's the good news in the text? The good news is that even though Israel is being unfaithful, even though Israel is being rebellious and questioning God, God gives grace. Do you know most of the time in the scriptures, when it comes to Israel, Moses has to go up on the mountain to talk to God. But in this text, God does not wait for Moses to come and explain to him the problem. God comes to Moses and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give bread. I'm going to give what is it? I'm going to put the what is it on the ground. I'm going to put the quail in the camp at night. And I am going to provide. And that way they're going to know that they can trust me. That way they know I'm for them and I am with them in this wilderness. God looks at these people who he just freed and who is now complaining against him and he provides. Now, does he provide a lot? No. Daily provision. Does he provide what they want? No. I tell you what, 40 years of manna and they start complaining about it. God doesn't always give you what you want. He doesn't always give you extra. But he will be with you And He will provide for you. He will take care of you. Can you learn to trust Him on that daily basis? That is the challenge. Jesus, in John 6, uses this text to describe Himself. Listen to these words. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is speaking here. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And the people hear this, people of Israel, and they say, hey, sir, give us this bread always. Yeah, you mean I've got bread that will feed me forever so I don't have to worry about it anymore? It's, a, it's the same complaint in John 6 the same desire that the Israelites are wrestling with in the Old Testament. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, if you understand the context now, what Jesus is saying is not, I'm going to give you everything you ever wanted. 
But Jesus is saying, I'm the thing that you need every day. I am the daily thing that's going to get you by. I am the proof that God is with you and God is for you wherever you go and whatever you get into. I am God's daily sustenance for you. Do we have that kind of trust in God? Do we have that kind of radical daily dependence on God? Is Jesus really all that we need every day? Or is it Jesus plus a little bit extra? Jesus plus my money. Jesus plus my reputation. Jesus plus never works out well for us. It's like saying, thanks Jesus for the cross. Thanks for this ticket to heaven. And as for my daily life, I guess I'll just take it from here. Jesus is not interested in just being a ticket you punch to get into heaven and then you live your own daily life. Jesus is the bread of life that's going to sustain you and take you through even your days. And my promise to you today, it is scary. It is scary, but you can trust Him. He's not going to give you everything you want. He's not going to give you everything you think you need. But you can trust Him. It's a little childlike to trust Him like this, but you can trust Him. But that's what it means to be a Christian. To trust Jesus daily to be everything that you need and everything that you should strive for. Let's pray. Jesus, we admit that we are hungry for more, that we want more in our lives when really what we should want is more of you. So speak to us. Help us. Lord, as we start grumbling, wanting to go back to areas where we have been a slave in our lives, help us to be a slave to nothing but you. Let us depend on you, rely on you for everything day to day, we pray. Amen.